Would you join me by turning to John chapter 15? John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, I invite you to take a black Bible and page 901, you'll find the text that we're going to be looking at. I think this is the last Sunday we're going to spend on this passage of Scripture. Next week, we won't have one particular passage of Scripture. We will actually have a lot of things going on in the service, and we won't have our normal sermon. And then in two weeks, we'll begin a series in First First Timothy and so, if you want, you can start, and I would really encourage you to start spending time in your quiet time reading through 1 Timothy, it's six chapters. So John chapter 15, follow with me as I read. I am the true vine, Jesus says. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. I'm going to stop here. Will you say that with me? Abide in me, and I in you. One more time. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now we're going to say that together. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Ready? For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Oh, Father, 
Please bless your word right now. Help me. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, we are called to be fruit-bearing disciples. If you are a Christian, a true Christian, you will bear fruit. And the answer why you'll bear fruit is because He has called you, not that you have chosen Him, He has chosen you, and He has called you and appointed you that you will bear fruit, and all that Jesus calls and appoints will do what He says, ultimately. This passage tells us we are to cling to Jesus, as though He is a vine, and we so desperately need the sap that comes out of the vine, and we're like branches, and a branch is worthless and fruitless and lifeless unless it's connected. There's a connectivity to the vine. We need the sap of life that comes through Jesus Christ that we might bear fruit in our lives. So we need to abide. That word abide means to, to actively stay connected, clinging to Jesus the vine. So Jesus calls us to bear fruit and have depend. And, and I, I said this about a month ago when I started on this passage. This passage that calls us to fruit bearing, that abides in Christ, is going to embrace two realities. I, I They're easy because they both start with D. Devotion and dependence. Oh, that the the Christians of this church, this pastor and my family, and you and your families, each one of us, we would embrace a simple but real growing devotion and dependence on Jesus Christ. A devotion that fully surrenders all that I am and all that I'm, I would want to be to Jesus. And I say, you are my king and I give you my allegiance. I no longer live, but it's you that live in me. You are my life. All I have is Christ. Take my life and let it be yours, Jesus. Because you've captured my heart. But none of us can do that well. And can last apart from a dependence on Him that says, and I have no hope to cling to you, continue to cling to you. I have no hope to trust in you unless you hold me and help me. And so I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you today. I need you tomorrow. Because tonight, today I might get all excited about a sermon. And I will go home and I will forget it. And I will feel dry by tomorrow morning. And I'll get up. And I'll feel like I'm not even a Christian. I need your help, Jesus Christ. Okay, fruit, what does it look like in our lives? It's whatever it is where Jesus, not you, is coming out. It might be trust in God expressed in the midst of really hard things. I know that God, in His sovereign power and His allowance in your life has allowed deep and difficult things to go on. And you will go through hard things. Fruit in your life is expressed when you trust God in the midst of financial stress or a health crisis. 
right now, Gloria is probably in the hospital watching this. She said she's been watching and following the services. Gloria, if you're here watching, welcome to our service. But she's having surgery tomorrow. She's been in the hospital since just the beginning of the year. She might be there for a lot longer. And she's bearing fruit for God as she trusts in the vine and says, I want to be contented in you, not in health. I want to be contented. It's you this week saying, I want to have a contentment and a joy in God because I trust in Christ. And may the mess that hits the windshields of our lives this week or of our daily schedules, and when we're tempted to complain, the grace of God's promises washes it away and we look to Christ. That's fruit. Or fruit in our lives is obedience to Jesus that changes our lifestyle because we realize my my wants says this, but Jesus says this, and I realize my wants are messed up. God changed my wants, but in the meantime, I'm going to obey you because I know that I am messed up, I am sick, you are life, and I want to cling to your life, and that means I'm going to obey your word. That means I'm going to obey your word by fighting against pornography, or I'm going to fight against just allowing entertainment to just bombard and dull my heart for the things of you. I'm going to let your word take over. I'm going to discipline myself to learn to go to this book. I'm going to learn to pray. I'm going to commit to prioritizing being with God's people and giving as you want me to give, even though it means change. That could be fruit. Fruit also could mean a growing prayer life. A life that daily and many times throughout the day talks to God. Not with any sophistication or need of having said the right words, but, oh, Jesus, help me. I need you. God, help me to love you and love the things you want me to love. Help me to deal with this work situation. Help me to deal with this project at school. Help me to deal with this difficult teacher. Help me to deal with this classmate, this person that is bullying me. Oh, God, help me with my kids and changing of diapers and making one more meal and help me as I come home. Help me to have a good attitude and love my wife because she's been working so hard all day. It's a prayer life that embraces God actually listens to me and He intends to change me but also answer prayers. And so I want to pray in a way that I see Him alive in my life. Or fruit can be the daily and growing mindfulness that I need Him every moment, all the time, and a humble response of you and I calling to one another and saying, help me, would you pray for me this week? Okay, this morning, I, I have spent three other sermons in John chapter 15, and we talked about different parts of John 15, 1 through 17, but today's message is this, it's a big picture what does it look like to abide in Jesus? He says, bear fruit. So how do you bear fruit? You abide, you cling to Jesus because it's Jesus and God by His Spirit that works in our lives and brings the fruit. So what does it look like practically in our lives? And as I have, I have meditated on and studied this passage, these 17 verses, I see at least four things. I have struggled to know how to label them. So I want to help you 
label or think about these passages. If you're a note taker, I hope you get these down. Their points are actually in the back of the bulletin. So these, all of them are under the umbrella of abiding in Jesus and bearing fruit. They're also, if you're a note taker, you just put on the top of your notes, dependence, devotion, Jesus. Those two headings, I think all four of these fit under, I need to want him first. And I need to want him. I need him all the time. Dependence, devotion. But here's how I labeled it. Four ways to abide in Jesus. It's not a formula. So don't get that wrong. Oh, good. I got to get the formula. Four steps to do this. I need the, as someone talked to me this week, I need the secret sauce of getting fruit. If, if, only, if only I could get this, oh, if I could get this, this formula, plug these in, whoom, then I have a abiding life and bearing fruit. It's not the way it works. But here in this passage, I see four ways or four marks of fruit-bearing and abiding in Jesus. I pray that Jesus would be our complete devotion. That we as a church would love Jesus more than anything. And we would, we would want His will. And so we would love Him so much that we want more people here knowing and worshiping Him who are right now lost in this world. We'd want to see more people in this baptistry, not because we just feel good, oh, good, somebody got baptized, but, oh, because their lives have been changed and we saw the power of God and prayers answered. He's alive and he's at work among us. Four things, four marks of fruit bearing that I think are really practical and helpful for our lives today. The first one that I want you to see, you have them in your notes, so you can cheat, spoiler alert, they're in there. But the first thing you can see is humbly Embrace your neediness. Faith, church, friends, brothers and sisters, you and I need to grow in humbly embracing our absolute neediness if we are going to bear fruit and abide in Jesus. What I mean by that? Well, I get that from these phrases in the passage. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It cannot. By itself. That, that's, we're branches. And this says, you can't by yourself. Equals, I'm really needy. The more I grow as a Christian, the more I will realize what is already true, not newly true, but always true, is that I need Jesus for everything. I need Him in the things that I'm not even conscious about. Like, I need Him to breathe. I need Him to make food work in my body to give me energy. I need Him to help make sleep profitable. I need Him for everything like that, but I also need Him in my trusting of Him. And I need Him to obey Him from the heart. And I need Him to make the actions of doing good for other people an act of really love and trust in God, not just some effort of my own or some way to brag about myself. I need, and you need, Jesus for everything. And He says it this way, for apart from me, you can do nothing. The fruit-bearing life embraces 
the type of abiding that humbly embraces our neediness. And this, that first word is important, humbly. Humility is a mark of God's people and disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, I pray that people will flood into this building from the streets or from places where they didn't go to church and they can come in here. And one thing they won't find is a bunch of obnoxious, know-it-all, judgmental, self-righteous righteous people. People that embrace the holiness of God and stand for truth and are not wishy-washy where God says it is true. We don't, we're not ashamed of any of that. We're not embarrassed or humble about God's word. We're humble about our own need and our own sinfulness. And we look at people in the eyes, through the eyes of, I'm so needy and God gives me grace. I want to show love and mercy and grace to others. God saves poor people when He's rich. He saves and rescues us fools. And He's wise. He's strong and we're weak. And let's grow to just accept that humbling reality. There is not one person he said, real wise, I need him. Really rich, I'll take her. Really virtuous, I'm so glad they will join my church and my fold. No. A bunch of broken sinners who he has mercifully saved and says, I will glorify my name by working and shining my power in my life and my fruit, my, my life-giving, fruit-giving nourishment through you. Do you know your neediness? Do you? Would you make it your daily prayer, your bedtime prayer, your morning prayer to say, oh God, I need you. Would you help me? When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're saying, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us and protect us and hold us and help us. I could go on about this, but do you know your neediness of Jesus? And do you let me let me move to this. Do you know your neediness of the body of Christ? Did you know that God designed it so that you not only need Jesus, but you need Jesus' people and you need one another? And so I'm I'm gonna give you I want to give you a practical I get two practical applications for this first one of abiding in Christ, bearing fruit by humbly embracing your neediness. One would you, would you say, God, how do you want me to change my prayer habits so that I'll go to you in prayer this week? So that maybe I won't just do one little prayer in the morning or I'll, if I think about it at a meal, but I'll go to you even if it's five minutes before I leave and while I'm driving and I'll remember on my way home or at school or at my lunchtime. I'm going to take time and I'm going to say, God, help me. I need you today. That's number one. Look at your prayer life. But number two, I want you to think of something that maybe you've never thought of quite like this. Our embracing of neediness should make us feel, I need you. You should look to your left and your right and you should say, God designed it for me to need you. What if we were a church that throughout the week, when you felt struggle with sin or just difficulties in life, you... You reached out to two or three in this church and said, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with X. Will you pray for me? 
oh, that's kind of humbling. That means you're weak. That means you're needy. That means they'll know that you have a struggle. And maybe that's just the way God designed it. So maybe this week, you're struggling over the anxiety that you feel over finances, or your health, or your children. And you look, at, you look up the directory and you go, okay, I met her, and she was encouraging to me. I'm going to call her, or I'm going to text her, or if I know she's on Facebook, I'm going to message her on Facebook, and I'm going to send a message and just say, I'm struggling with faith this week. Trusting God in this particular area. I need his help. I need trust in him. Would you pray for me? That's all. I just need your prayer. What if you did that to two or three people? What if we all did that all the time? To things that you go, oh, I got it. I don't want to bother them. What if God wants you to bother them because you need their help in prayer and they need to help you just as much as you need the help? We... We as a church need each other. We need Jesus. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. But there's another sense in which we, the church, are his body. And so we need the body of Christ in the same way to abide in the body of Christ as we cling to Jesus. Would you, would you think about that this week? Would, would you prayerfully, I would say, it shouldn't take much for you to just say, I'm going to this week... Reach out to one or two people and ask them to pray for this particular struggle or challenge or trial. And don't think it's bothering them. And if you get that message to pray for them, don't overreact and think that you have to fix it other than pray. Or you can say, is there anything besides prayer that I can help you with? That's the first thing. This passage calls us to embrace our neediness. Do you as a church realize how needy you are? Do you as an individual, are you growing in your understanding of your neediness? And do you pray like you're needy? Do you pray like you know you're needy? And do you know you need others? Here's the second thing I want you to see. Not only to embrace humbly your neediness, but we need to prioritize spiritual intimacy. We need to prioritize spiritual intimacy. Christianity isn't just about doing good deeds or being having morally virtuous behavior. It's about knowing God. Knowing truly in a personal way our God through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this relationship in, with Jesus Christ is, is meant to be a growing reality in our lives. Look at the, this passage says, abide in me and I in you. Abide in my life. If you abide, in, you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. And he says, I give you my word so that I, you're no longer a, a servant, but you're my friend. And in that friendship, I'm going to tell you all that, I, that I'm planning to do, Jesus says at the end of this passage. The, the flavor of this passage is that abiding in Jesus and fruit bearing requires that we don't have this distant, cold relationship with God and Jesus. I'm afraid that far too many Christians, they know that God is personal and real and powerful and loving and good. He's patient and 
but are deep and emotional and intimate and close, everyday, moment-by-moment relationship, well, that's for the, the Christians that are in a book or write books or are in Christian biographies or are missionaries or maybe pastors. God intends for you and I to all grow and we need to prioritize spiritual intimacy with God. When, when, I, when I got married, when I met Molly, I, I, I thought I loved her, and then I, re- I learned I was committed to loving her, and I love her. And I've grown to be, grow closeness to her, and we grow in an intimacy together. And of course, when we got married, there's a new level of intimacy. And... And I'll tell you what, without getting gross, it brought forth fruit. Five kids. <laughs> sorry, kids. I'm sorry. And Molly. Okay, there is a way in which God wants us through Jesus Christ to grow, not in, in a type of closeness and intimacy with Jesus Christ. And, and use this metaphor... He says, you abide in me, you go close to me, you're going to bear fruit. You, you're not close to me, you'll bear no fruit. Have, have you thought about this week? I, think, I don't think I have to do a lot of convincing to you that you need to read the Bible. And you need to have, we call it sometimes devotions or, or quiet time or Bible reading. But don't, let's just not even think of it that way. You need the Bible and you need to read it. You need God's Word and you need to pray, and you need to prioritize Him. But it's not so that you could fill your head with a bunch of Bible knowledge so you could answer questions, or if atheists ask you, you have an answer. Or it's not, it's not primarily so you can check off a box so you can feel good that you've accomplished something. You had your spiritual vitamins today. You need to know Jesus. I... I, I am at a stage, I didn't have a stage, when my, we had three or four or five little kids all in the home, and I lived in Minnesota, I had no babysitting very easily, so we didn't go on dates very often, now we get to go on a dates almost every week, and oh, our time together is critical for us to talk, and to listen to each other, and to hear each other's hearts, and actually wrestle with differences, and problems, and struggles, and so that time together with the pursuit of, I want to grow a relationship, a friendship, a closeness. So you and I need more than anything in our abiding and fruit-bearing, a closeness with God through Jesus Christ. Would you this year, would you say, oh God, make me a fruit-bearing Christian. I need to know and love you more. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to be with Him? Now, I want to say, these are all connected. The first one is, I'm needy. You're going to come to the second one and go, I'm really needy because I, I get so distracted. And I could so, my heart could so want to go after this, this, and this, all these other things, than to linger close with God, to listen to Him, to learn from Him, to slow down to hear His voice, to talk to him and hear him talking to me. Oh God, help me. I need you to prioritize this. Your most important relationship in the entire universe is not your spouse, if you have one. 
It's not your parents. It's not your siblings. It's not your pastor. It's not your best friends. It is Jesus. It is God. And your relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. Do you want to grow to know Him more? And do the patterns of your life, the actions you take, the words you use, the habits you are choosing to embrace, the things that you're consuming, the media you consume, the money you spend, the priorities you show, do they demonstrate a growing love for Jesus? Jesus is a person. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to hear from Him. He wants you to listen to Him. He wants you to learn to love Him, to talk to Him, to ask for forgiveness when you grieve Him, to thank Him for His help. Don't embrace Christianity. There are some that are brand new believers here this morning. Don't embrace Christianity to feel good about yourself or just to get your life fixed. Embrace Christianity because of Jesus, because He is worth it all. Knowing Him. Loving Him. I have this little promise book here. It's God's promises for you, for every need. It's a nice little book that just collects all these passages of Scripture. Jesus is your Savior, and He's your Lord, and He's your love, and He is your peace, and He's your forgiveness. He is your righteousness. He's your deliverer. He's your fellowship, and He's your companion, and example, and brother, and guardian, and security, and He is your sufficiency and fulfillment. He's everything. Now, the root of... Where do you get this? How do you get to want intimacy, closeness, abiding in Jesus? Well, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts this work of life in you. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit that gave you even a desire to repent of your sins and believe in Him. You would never do it apart from His Spirit at work. That's why you're looking back and you go, man, God did a work. It was God that did a work in me. But the root of our relationship and the root of our neediness and the root of the last two points I'm going to give you is this. God's love to you through Christ. I want you to realize that I'm primarily, this command isn't you need to figure out this, this intimacy thing and it's you got to do this so God will be happy with you. And you got to get your neediness right. And I'm going to say obedience and love. I want you to hear this. Jesus loves you. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am chief because God so loved the world that he gave him. And this passage says, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend, and you are my friends. You have to realize Jesus is saying, I am going to give my life up for you. He hadn't done it yet in John 15. He was about to. Oh, the foundation and the root of our intimacy with Jesus is the fact that he loves you. You can grow to know Him closely because He has already put His love upon you if you have received Him and accepted His gift of salvation. In this is love. God made among, in this God made His love completely put on display for us. God sent His Son in the world, John 4 says, so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the forgiveness of propitiation or forgiveness of our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Oh, could you just hear this? Would you this year? Would you would you ask someone else? I, the, fir- the first point was embrace your humility, your neediness. Maybe this morning, this afternoon, you're going to need to call or contact or ask two or three people. I want to grow to truly know this Jesus personally and intimately. Would you pray for me? Would you do that? Here's the third point. The third point or mark or characteristic of abiding or fruit-bearing is commit to obey God's word. Okay, this is, Americans don't love this, but it's they need to hear it. Americans don't love, you need to obey. What? I'm an American. I don't obey anybody. I'm free. This is the land of the free. We do what we want. We have independence. And the word of God says we are, we're not free We are bound by the love of God. We are free in one sense in Christ, but we are bound to obey Him if we truly love Him. If you keep my commandments, He says, you will abide in my love. You want to bear fruit? Would you this morning, would you ask God to help you? Ask the question to yourself, how am I doing in obedience to Jesus? Abiding in Jesus and fruit always includes an obedience that comes from faith in Him. I want you to hear this. Church, obey Jesus. Brothers and sisters, obey God in His Word. I want us to say, whenever God confronts you with something, whether it be from my preaching, or from a Sunday school teacher, or from reading the Word of God, or listening on the radio on the way to to work, or whatever it is, a podcast, if God's Word calls you to, obey. But I want you to hear it this way. Obey Because you trust Him. You trust Him. Hear this. Obey God in His Word always, but don't obey so He'll save you and accept you. Believe that He is good and that He is the only way to rescue from your sin. If you've been saved, you've accepted His free gift of salvation. Obey Him because you can trust that everything that Jesus in this word tells us or commands us is for your good. It's always for your good. It's not even neutral. It's perfect. It's like for you and me, for our good. He is all good. He's perfectly good. He's all wise. He never makes a mistake. His instructions and commands are perfect for us. Even if we don't think it's right, He knows you better than you know yourself. He takes all things into account. He does never has any of his commands out of context for our lives. You can trust him and his commands are good. Even when they don't feel good, we obey. And even when we don't understand. How many of you have young people, when you tell them to do something, they don't understand why it's a wise thing to do? Well, that's the nature of our spiritual youth. And so in our lives, we need to obey God whether we think it makes sense or right. This is the mark of a disciple. This is a mark of abiding in Christ. This is a mark of fruit bearing. Go make disciples, Jesus said to his disciples as he was leaving the earth and ascending into heaven. Make baptizing them, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them what? 
to do all that I have commanded you. It didn't say teach them to know all that I've commanded you. Teach them to do all that I have commanded you. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I've said this before, it is not because your obedience gets you saved. It's not because your obedience makes you a Christian. Your obedience is a mark that the life of Jesus is in you now. Would you obey trusting, obey in faith? Obedience isn't about doing what you feel like. It's, it's, it's an allegiance to the one whether you feel like it or not because you trust him, even apart from your feelings. You pray, God, help me to love your will, but in the meantime, help me to obey it nonetheless. It might be baptism or membership or giving or serving or being discipled or being in God's word or praying, changing jobs because your job is keeping you from growing. It means leading family spiritually. It means witnessing to your friends and caring about your neighbors. It might be getting help for your fight against porn. You're all alone and you're too embarrassed to help and you're losing the battle. You need help. Obedience might be any one of those things. Might be getting out of a sinful or toxic relationship that is just so dishonoring to God. Obey. The abiding life says, I need you. I'm so needy. And I want you. Help me to grow in your love so that I would love and trust your heart as I obey you. And lastly, among all the actions of obedience, he calls us to actively love with Christ's love. That's number four. Actively love with Christ's love. I don't have to convince you that the Bible says love, but Jesus makes it very clear here that abiding in Christ and abiding in His love and obeying His commandments, connecting to the vine, has to do with abiding and loving one another as I have loved. He said, love one another as I have loved. Greater love has no one that this. You want to know what how I loved? I'm going to die for you. Love one another. Do you realize? Do we realize? Do I realize that love is a necessary fruit of a Christian? How are you doing in love? This doesn't mean that you've already arrived at perfect love towards one another, but you should care that you are so far from perfect in your love, and it should burden you, and you should, you should, point number one, cry out with your neediness, God help me. May mean growing in love for one another starts with maybe being grieved that you don't love like you ought to. You find yourself selfish, sure closed-minded. Maybe it's your introversion. You're so introverted and you blame it on that. Or you're extroverted and you're just surfacy on everybody, but never deeply and sacrificially in people's lives. I want to ask you this. Do you know that you are responsible to love your brothers and sisters in this room? Not just some ethereal, I love them, but I wouldn't do anything for them this week unless they just came across my path. I'm not going to think about praying for them. I'm not going to reach out to them. I'm not going to sacrifice for them. Do you know the names of those in this room, especially those that have been here for a while? And do you pray for them? 
do you want to love them? Do you know unbelievers in your life? If you don't know unbelievers in your life, why don't you know unbelievers in your life? Are you engaged in caring for their souls? And do you realize that your neighbor or friend or family member that is lost and without Jesus, that they'll go to hell unless they repent of their sins and believe in Jesus for salvation? What if they went to hell and in their trial of judgment, they cried out, my neighbor was a Christian? He never told me. Why didn't he ever talk to me about Jesus? Would your neighbor know? Is your love there? Love is the affectionate pursuit of what's best for somebody. What's best for your neighbor and for your children and for your church is more of God. Knowing truly God, God rightly, through Jesus Christ. Know that should be our prayer, that should be our compassion. Hello, do you love and do you love by giving to one another? Amy Carmichael once said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Jesus gave all. So he gave all to you. You, you. you can be secure. You don't have to guard yourself. You can be secure and lavishly pour Jesus' love to others because he has loved you. And lastly, I want to say to this, parents in this room, love your children. Love your children with kindness, like the kindness of Jesus. Love your children with gentleness and compassion. Love your children by being understanding. Protect them. Love them by tough love, by doing things that are hard for them, but good for them. Love them by disciplining them. Love them by praying for them. Love them by prioritizing their souls above all else because you love them and you want to see God in their lives. And you know you can't do it because you're not the junior Holy Spirit. But you're their parents and you are to love them. Love one another. Don't say you love Jesus if you don't love your children to the glory of God. Or your neighbor. Or the lost. This convicts us because none of us are up to that standard and we need to run to Jesus and say, help me, forgive me. Enlarge my heart. I need you. Help me to grow. And we only do that as we grow intimately close with him. You see that love is expensive in our lives. But nothing was more expensive than what he gave for us. He loves us. So here I here's the conclusion. Run to Jesus. He is all that matters in our life. He is the source of life, and his love towards us changes everything. We run to a person that I'm needy to, and he never looks at us and goes, you're so needy, you're pathetic, get out of here. He says, come to me and I will give you rest and I will give you life and I will give you joy. We come to Jesus and say, I need you, I want to grow to know you. He will show himself to us. We come to him and say, I'm a bad obeyer, I'm a disobedient person too often. He says, I forgive you and I'm going to help you because I love you. I don't love one another like I love. I, I'm embarrassed by, I have neighbors and I have never told them about Jesus. I've never even thought about inviting them. I'm 
too, it's too awkward. He'll help you. I want to conclude with this prayer. Paul said, oh, that we would be strengthened with power through our spirit and our inner being so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith that rooted and grounded in Jesus, in the soil of Jesus' love. We may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the height and the length and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. God intends to fill us with His fullness as we cling to the love of Jesus desperately. Let's help each other. Let's go after each other this week by saying, I'm praying for you and pray for each other. Let us express our neediness for each other. Let's go after God and express our neediness. Let's go to this Word and express it. And let us obey. Not just in word, but in our action. Oh God, I pray that you would help us to desperately cling to your Son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would fill us as a church of people that humbly and thankfully cling to you through your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite